we've been talking about faith. The last few weeks, we've been talking about great faith, and I was ready to go into something else, but we have to talk more about great faith because we've got to see an aspect of faith, and I want to encourage you, go back and listen to these messages because we're laying a foundation. But this thing about great faith, walking in the faith of God, how important is that? We receive everything that God has given us by his grace. We receive it through faith. Faith only comes one way. It comes by hearing God's word. And what I mean by that is when you come to the word of God, Jesus would always say this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, right? So it's very important that you didn't come tonight, or if you're watching online, that you're not just coming to listen. Nope, you've come to hear. And what I mean by that, that means I reverence, honor, and respect the word of God above everything else in my life. It is life. So now I'm coming to the word of God today with a willingness to do whatever it says right? It's not, I'm not going to pick and choose. I'm not going to get into my flesh. No, I want to be a doer of this word. And when you come to that, what happens now is you'll not just hear this message, but now you will start to take the word of God. And when you leave here, you'll start meditating in the word. You'll start saying some of those scriptures that the Holy Spirit will prompt you. You'll start saying them over and over and over. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He, Father, I thank you that it is written, you always cause me to triumph. You always give me the victory, right? Father, I thank you that I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, right? Whatever that is, you meditate on it so that the word of God, the Holy Spirit can open his word in your heart so now Revelation knowledge comes, and now you hear God's word on the inside of you. When you do that, faith comes, and now you are fully persuaded that what he said, well, I should say this right. When revelation knowledge comes, faith is there to begin the process to take you from believing that you have received to becoming fully persuaded that what God said is true right? So let's look at this. I want to just take a little time. We talked about three examples, three people. We talked about the centurion, right? The centurion whose servant was healed because of the centurion's faith. We talked about the Syrophoenician woman, right? Here was a woman without a covenant of God from a very demonic culture because of probably her lifestyle and all that those doors were open to the enemy. Her daughter was vexed by a demon, right? And she was grievously vexed. And she got, that, that daughter got delivered by this woman's great faith, the Syrophoenician woman, right? So two instances in the New Testament where Jesus said, great faith, these were two people without a covenant with God. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing, but you see principles in there. And then we looked at Abraham, how he grew strong in faith. He was fully persuaded that what God had said he would do, he would perform it. So let's look at this. Go to Luke chapter 7. 
Let's look at the centurion once again, real quickly. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. It says this, Now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant, whenever it says in the Bible, a certain centurion servant, that would mean that everybody knew this servant. Everybody knew who this was, okay? A certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So this servant was at the point of death. Now what happens when he, the centurion, heard of Jesus, what we had just said, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. He heard of Jesus. What did he hear? That Jesus went about teaching, preaching, healing, that multitudes were being healed in his ministry. So the centurion hears this. He sent unto Jesus the elders of the Jews, and they came to Jesus beseeching him. This word beseeching literally means asking, imploring him, begging him. They came on behalf of this centurion. Please come and heal my, 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 um, the centurion's servant. Please heal him, right? So they sent there, he, they came beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. We said in this story, this story is about great faith and its connection to the understanding of authority. This centurion, right, military guy, he was over 100 to 300, up to 300. We have records of centurions being up to th over 300 highly trained men. These were like special forces guys. A centurion would become a centurion because he was a master of weaponry. He had been in war. When, when, when a centurion, when they would go to war, and this was kind of face-to-face, -face, the centurion had a special, very ornate uniform on, right? So the enemy knew. He wanted the enemy to know, I am their leader. And he wouldn't stay in the back. He's leading them. And I mean, he, they're running at each other with swords, right? And he's daring people. Come on, we're doing this thing, right? And he was a centurion, so he was literally a battle-worn. He understood to go up to those ranks. He had to understand how to take orders, and he understand how to, how to give orders. He understood authority. Honor, you're going to see a couple things in this man's life. Honor and respect for God and for the things of God is the road to great faith. And that's what I want to talk to you about. You see honor and respect for God, right? And, and the things of God in this man. You see a humility. That's another thing that you see. And also you see submission to authority. You see this. These are all attributes of great faith. Honor and respect for God, humility, submission to authority, these are tied to great faith. No honor of God and the things of God, no great faith, right? I don't care how many of these principles you have. I don't care if, you know, 
I mean, man, Kenneth Hagin himself handed me my Rama diploma. So what? Right? Means nothing. Do you understand that? No, it's all about honor. And this is why in our society today, we have such a lack of honor. Don't tell me what to do. Right? Don't, preacher, don't you even make me feel uncomfortable. I'm out. Right? And, and, and I, I can't believe what you did to me. Right? And, and I mean, I don't, I don't honor police. I don't honor any authority. I talk bad about my boss. I, right? That, Satan loves that because it's impossible for you to be in faith when you have that. Right? And this is not taught well enough. So everybody, just remember, you love your pastor. And when God says things to you, it never, it never is to condemn. It's always to build up. Okay? So he beseeched his servant, or he beseeched Jesus to come heal his servant. So now let's look at it. Verse 4. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him, or I'm sorry, in Luke, they, it says it this way. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. So these elders, when they came to Jesus, they immediately started imploring him, begging him, asking him to come. And what they said is, listen, this centurion, they're trying to, they're trying to pass the interview here, right? They want to tell Jesus, this centurion is worthy for you to do this for him. He loves our nation. He's actually built us a synagogue. He built them a church, Right? Now think about this. This Roman centurion, Israel was a conquered nation. That Roman centurion could walk up to whoever he wanted to, throw him in prison, have him killed. They had to submit to him. They were a conquered nation. And yet this man still, in his position, respected them so much, respected their God, even built them a church. Wow, right? What do you see in that? an honor and a respect for God, humility, and he understood submission to authority. It says, for he loves our nation, he's built us a synagogue. Wow. What's interesting is you're going to see this centurion even said, I'm not worthy. The centurion knew that in his own self he was not worthy. He didn't deserve his servant to be healed because of anything that he was or anything that he did. In the same way, if you're believing God for something that he said in his word he's given you, it's not based on who you are in yourself. It's based on what Jesus did. And, you'll, and, and until you understand that, faith is going to be very hard for you to understand. Does that make sense? So, this is actual humility. Jesus, I'm not worthy for you, within myself for you to do this for me. Right? This is humility. This is him seeing the reality of the situation. And, and if, hopefully we can get to it. I want to talk to you a little bit about humility. Because humility causes you to see situations clearly. Pride immediately clouds and blinds you. You don't see anything right, right? 
God has made us worthy as New Testament believers. Colossians tells us that we have been made worthy by Jesus Christ, by what he did for us. Now we are unblameable, unaccusable, and we are holy before him. But not based on us, it's based on what he did. So uh, verse 6 of Luke chapter 7. Then Jesus went with them. So now here's Jesus. He's going to the centurion's house with the elders. When he was not far from the house, the centurion must have seen him, right? The centurion must have seen, and then he sent friends to Jesus. So now some friends are coming up to him and said to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to even come to you. Now think about this. That centurion could have walked up to Jesus and said, hey, come here. Come here, Jew. You're coming to my house right now. He could have done that. In the natural, he had that authority and power. Do you know that even Roman citizens had a right to appeal to Caesar, right? They, so like even when, when they were going to beat Paul, that story in the New Testament, and Paul goes, is it lawful for you to do this to a Roman citizen? And they, it freaked them out. They're like, what, you're a Roman citizen? You know, and they asked him, well, were you, did you pay money for this? How were you? No, I was free born. I was born a Roman citizen. Well, immediately they let him go because he could appeal to Caesar if those soldiers would have beaten him, they would have probably been killed. But not a Roman centurion. A Roman centurion could kill somebody if he wanted to, and there's no recourse. He had that much authority. But yet, look at what he did. He sends friends, and he's like, Lord, don't even trouble yourself to come to my house. I'm not even worthy that you should enter my house and that's why I sent people to you, because I'm not even worthy to come to you. Do you see humility here? He's like, listen, you, I understand authority, and you have authority over me. I'm respecting who you are. I'm honoring who you are. I'm submitting to who you are. But then he says this, but if you would just speak the word, look at this, my servant would be healed. My servant shall be healed. Wow. See, the centurion had earthly authority, yet he chose to humble himself and submit himself to the authority of Jesus. New Testament believer, you must humble yourself. And this is what's missing in the body of Christ. When you come to this word, this is not just a book. This is the very word of God. It's living. It's full of life and power. When we come into his presence and worship, we are coming into the presence of Almighty God. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Where two or more are gathered, he's here. Do you know Jesus is here? I've been being stirred lately to start teaching on the letters to the seven churches again in Revelation. And... Uh, and, you know, one of the things that it says, he goes, I know your works. Jesus is speaking. And that word in the Greek, know, means I know because it, I know firsthand. I have firsthand knowledge because I'm there. 
Do you know tonight Jesus is walking around here? Right? He's, he's, he's back in the sound booth. He's in the nursery, in the preschool. He's down with the kids. He's walking around. Do you know as a pastor, some of these words for us, it literally means that Jesus, when I least expect it, can show up and audit me. Look at, and, and could you imagine getting audited by Jesus? Because he's not looking at the material stuff. He knows every intention of your heart. Nothing's hidden from him right? Aren't you glad he's a God of all mercy, right? Man, that's so good. All right. The centurion, again, had authority, influence, and power in the natural. However, he showed Jesus respect and honor. Why am I teaching this? Great faith is tied to great honor. If you're all about yourself, you can know all these principles and you're going to have a real hard time receiving and laying hold of what Jesus has already given you. Now, what I'm not saying is if you don't honor God, he won't give you something. No, too late. He's already given you everything. And he'll never take it back. And if you're out there just all about yourself and there's no reverence, there's no honor, there's no respect, right? You know, oh, yeah, I could come to church 20 minutes late, but man, I'll tell you, Monday morning I won't be late to work. Be careful with that stuff. Now, also be careful with the other ditch. Oh, man, I'm three minutes late to, you know, God's going to get me. No, no, God's never going to get you. He, no, he doesn't. He's not. That's not. It's an heart attitude is what we're talking about. Right? We have to reverence. Live your life with a reverence and an honor and a respect above all else in life, him. And you'll be okay. And understand that he's the God of all mercy. And every time you blow it, it doesn't move him. And every time you blow it, he's going to be right there to go, forget about that, let's keep going. Let's get, just get back on track. Right? That's just the way he is. Respect and honor tied to great faith. How many times am I going to say that tonight? right? See, why is respect and honor tied to great faith? Because faith is not based on principles. It's not based on faith itself. Faith is based on an intimate relationship with Jesus, with a person. So that's why this hard attitude is everything. Man, I'm telling you, if I speak something that's not God's word. If I get in my flesh and I get upset, my spirit is going, what in the world are you doing? Right? And I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm so thankful for the word because it'll pull me right back. Right? Saying, what, saying you can't have what God says he's given you. Saying that your future is not wonderful when God says, listen, I've given you a hope and a future. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to literally, my future for you is that you walk out every desire of your heart. We have scripture on that. Am I worried about my future? No. I refuse to worry about my future, right? Learn this statement. This is a great statement if you ever want to talk to Satan. Satan, you don't know how much I don't care, right? You're defeated. Shut up and get out. I'm not going to give you any place. Demon, I don't care what your name is. 
Let me, let me just name you, loser. I don't know what loser you are, but you're just loser, right? Because of what Jesus has done for us. If you have faith in the person of God, then you will, then you will show honor and respect for him. So what we're really talking about tonight, this is the heart of a man or a woman who walks by faith. It's just an honor and a respect thing. Many think, this is where many people are right now, many think because they've been made free in Christ that they don't have to listen to anyone. And you know what that does? That makes faith, that makes any hope of faith in their life weak. It weakens faith. God does everything by delegated authority. Right? I mean, that's why you want to you wanna ask the Holy Spirit, okay, help me honor the owner of the company that I work for. Help me honor any supervisors in my life. Help me to honor all authority in my life because I understand that everything is reflective. The way you submit to people reveals how you're submitted to him. The way you love your enemies reveals how you love God. That's crazy, right? But it's true. It's true. That's good preaching, Pastor. Wow, that's, you know, but could we move on to something more positive, right? <laughs> this is about as positive as you could ever be. Because the medium of exchange for you and I in the kingdom of God is faith. And, and the word of God is very clear how to walk in great faith. It's all about honor and respect, right? Be willing to lose money, but don't ever be willing to, to fall short in honor and respect. And don't, don't live your life thinking that somebody has to earn your respect or honor. Just, just respect and honor them. Now, I'm not saying trust. Trust has to be earned. What I'm not talking about is you being a doormat to people. Because sometimes you will have to say, you know what, I can't do that, or I'm not going to do that. But you say it respectfully, right? But now when it comes to God, you don't ever want to say, you know, I really respect you, but I'm not going to do that. That doesn't work with him, right? <laughs> Verse 8, let's look at this. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. So understanding of authority is another key to great faith. So what is submission? When we talk about submission to authority. Submission is literally a willingness to be led. Submission is not agreement, right? You know, when we were in Hawaii on vacation, my wife said, hey, why don't we go to Benihana tonight? And she knows I'm not submitting to her, right? I'm in agreement. Yeah, you want to go every night? Absolutely. Greatest restaurant on the planet, right? Submission is when you don't want to do something, but you do it anyway, right? I mean, you were retired Navy commander. Did you ever have your superior officer 
give you an order that you really didn't want to do? Ever? Yeah, a few times maybe. Did you ever go, you know, can we just talk about this? Because I just, yeah, no, that just doesn't work in the military, does it, right? Yeah, no, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't work in life because that will weaken your faith. Reverence and honor. So let's keep going with this. Verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, turned him about, so he would have turned the friends about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say to you, I have not found so great faith. This Greek word literally means, this is the greatest faith that I have ever seen anywhere in Israel. Could you imagine? How would you like to be his 12 disciples? Well, right? Why was it great faith? Because there was no need to feel or see anything. All he wanted, he said, you just speak the word and my servant will be whole. And his servant was ready to die. Right? Verse 10. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Faith transcends time and distance. There's no time or distance in the spirit. This centurion servant was healed. Jesus never, ever laid hands on him. He was in another location. The Syrophoenician woman's daughter, that demon was cast out of her. When, and all Jesus said, woman, great is your faith. As you've believed, so be it unto you. Isn't that cool? That's how much power this, that we have. That's how, that's how much power that God has given us. Because we're talking about what? We're talking about having the operation of the God kind of faith. So let's look at the Syrophoenician woman real quickly as well. So remember, we've seen humility, submission to authority, honor, and respect. Do you notice when we talk about great faith, we haven't really talked about principles so much. We've talked about heart attitudes. Okay? So... This story of the Syrophoenician woman, her daughter being healed, this is a story that speaks of a woman with great faith. It speaks of a woman, remember, great faith never quits. Never quits, right? She was a humble woman who was willing to make the necessary adjustments in her own life to put herself in a position to receive from God. She had to make some changes because she didn't start out in the right place. Do you know how many Christians, children of God, who have been given all the blessing of God, their father loves them, he even put his spirit in them so that they can know what he's given them, that what's keeping them out is what they think about themselves. Well, I've just messed up. I'm just in the wrong place. Well, this lady was in the wrong place. And she went from a wrong place to great faith like that. She didn't even have to have a Bible. Isn't that amazing? She wasn't even born again. What can we learn from this? Let's read this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 15. You guys doing okay? I wish we could close, uh, slow that clock down a little bit. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. We're going to read all the way through verse 28. We're just going to read this story, and I'm going to kind of showcase a couple things. It says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan, 
came out, and we, we know from uh, Luke's account, or I'm sorry, Mark's account, she was a Syrophoenician woman, came out of the same coast, and she cried unto him. She cried unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Son of David was a phrase, no doubt, that she heard. It was literally calling him the Messiah. She didn't even know what that meant. She's basically crying out to him for help, and she's, she's willing to say anything or do anything to try to get him to help. That was her whole life. The Phoenicians were very, it was a very demonic culture. If you've ever been around any kind of witchcraft, demonic stuff, all of it's manipulation. Right? Saying, have mercy on me, O, o, son, o, o Lord, son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. It says, but he answered her. Jesus answered her not a word. Think about that. Pastor Tony, please help me. You got to help. And I'm just like walking away. People would see that and they're like, wow, what a rude. I mean, I wonder how many people would, they would tell about this rude pastor that they just met, right? So that was hurdle number one for her. Jesus ignored her. I mean, her daughter is vexed, demon-possessed. All these people around Jesus would have known how many demons has he cast out of people, right? But yet he's ignoring this woman, hurdle number one. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, can you send her away? She's crying after us. So she's like, Jesus, Lord, son of David, come help me. He's ignoring, Jesus is ignoring her. So now she's going to Peter, James, John, all these disciples. Hey, can you get him to help me? They all come to Jesus and goes, can you get rid of this lady? Right? It's like somebody comes here, Pastor Tony, can you help me? I'm ignoring them. Right? Just totally, they, they're running to Pastor Dave, they run to Pastor Edwin, Pastor Lisa. They're running over there going, hey, 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 can you get him to help my daughter? She's at Methodist Hospital. She's a, I mean, she's in a bad way. And then all, all of those guys are ignoring her too. People would be like, Faith Family Church, most unfriendly church on the planet, right? Hating people, chasing people away, right? That's our vision statement, right? No, 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 no. No, so that's hurdle number two. Now the disciples are ignoring her. So let's keep going with this. But finally, Jesus, what does he do? He answers and says to her. So now the disciples come, can you get rid of her? So now he turns to, what's he, what's he doing? He's, he's going to get rid of her. Uh, what does he say? I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Hurdle number three. Now Jesus... Not only is he ignoring her, now he's just saying, hey, woman, I'm not sent to you. I'm, I'm just not sent to you, so go away. Right? Faith never quits. She heard of Jesus. Who knows what she had allowed in her household to open the door for her daughter to be grievously vexed. She wasn't going to let that stop her either. 
In the same way, when you get in faith as a New Testament believer, you won't let your own mistakes or your past or anything stop you from going to Jesus. Right? So let's keep going with this. I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When he said that to her, look at what she did. Then there was a shift in her. She's like, okay, I can't fake this guy out. I can't, no facade anymore. So what does she do? Sorry, I live in these things. So as revelation comes, I bet I could tell you what that lady looks like almost. So what happens? Then she came and she worshiped him. But she said it different now, saying, Lord, help me. A couple minutes earlier, she was crying out, Oh, Lord, thou son of David, help me. He ignored her. But now when the rubber meets the road, she falls down and she worships him and says, Lord, help me. Right? See, humility makes adjustments. She decided to humble herself so she saw things clearly. She realized, okay, there is nothing that I can do on my own. Boy, Christian, hear me. There's nothing I can do on my own to deserve to be healed, to be set free, whatever it is, right? So she humbled herself. She saw it clearly. That's why she humbled herself. She's like, wow. There's nothing I could do to get this man to help me. So I'm just going to come to him. And faith, she knew, she was firmly persuaded that if he would help her, her daughter would be free. Faith would not let her quit. Humility caused her to do whatever she needed to do in her flesh to get in the right heart attitude. Right? So now she's in the right heart attitude. She's already jumped and, and made it over these three hurdles. And then look at what Jesus says to her in verse 26. But he answered and said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs or to dogs. Actually, in, if you study the Greek word, it, it would kind of, re, it's, it, it would be a little dog. So it, you could read it like this for all you ladies and people who love little dogs, right? Uh, and he, he said, it's, it's not meat to take the children's bread, right, and cast it to puppies. So it was a little softer. See, everybody, every Jewish person would call every other race on the earth a dog because they had no covenant with God. That's not what God wanted, but that's because of their own pride, Right? So look at what she said. So that's hurdle number four. Now he just tells her, listen, I can't take something that's the children's bread and give it to you as a little dog. Hurdle number four. And look at what she said. See, what would pride say? Pride would say, what did you say to me? Are you kidding? What? 
listen, you better get out of my face or I'm going to light you up right, right? Guess what would have happened? Nothing. Her daughter would be, that's just not fair. What did she say? Humble. Lord, if you said it's not me to give the children's bread to a little dog, I'm going to say truth. Okay, you're right. You're right, Lord. But then look at what she said. I mean, look at this. When she said, yeah, you're right, that's humility, that's honor, that's respect, that's submission to authority. Listen, if you said that's the truth, then, then I'm going I'm to agree with you. It's the truth. It's true. Yet, Lord, don't the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table? Jesus answered her and says, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Do you see her heart? Boy, I, I need more time to teach this because, listen, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, this is a spiritual empowerment from the Holy Spirit. The fear of the Lord, what is that? It is the reverence and honor and respect above all else. You respect God above all else. Do you know you don't do that in your own self? As a child of God, you are empowered to do that. There's scripture on that. O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto thee, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that hour. Wow. Wow. The foundation of our relationship with God, the foundation of our walk and life of faith, the foundation is the lo our love for God, which flows from a revelation that he loves us, and also, not only the love of God, but the fear of God, the reverence and honor and respect. Your whole Christian life is based on the foundation of how that God loves you with an everlasting love. And you are to love him. That I mean, you're to love him. That empowerment comes from him loving you. And also the Holy Spirit will lead you and empower you to live a life of honor and respect. That's one thing that I see in people. There are so many people that are sitting in churches calling themselves Christians. Or they're not in church and they're just living their own life, but they'll say, oh no, I'm saved. But there is no honor for God. There's no respect for him. There's no inner turmoil if they're not living in line with what he says, they, they don't care, I have to question whether that person's saved, right? This is, this is huge. Our foundation, the foundation of our relationship with God, the foundation of our walk and life of faith with him is the love of God and the fear of the Lord, which is the reverence, honor, and respect for God above everything else in our life. The love of God. The love of God is not grasped with your mind. 
The Holy Spirit reveals the love of God to us, right? That's what happens. And then the Holy Spirit will teach us how to yield to the love of God. He'll teach us. How does he do that? How does he reveal the love of God to you and teach you how to yield to the love of God? How does he do that? As you meditate in his word. As you take his word and put it first place, you, you give it your undivided attention. You keep it ever before your eyes. You don't let it depart out of your mouth. You keep it in the midst of your heart. And what happens is he will reveal. In that, he reveals his great love. There's, see, why are Christians out there that they're just living in the flesh? They have some, if they're born again, they're going to have so much inner turmoil because their life, their behavior is not in line with what their desire is to serve him. Why? Because they don't really know that God loves them. Because this is only revealed to their heart as they meditate in the word of God. And go, go talk to Christians that you know. And you talk about meditating in the word and they'll go, what are you talking about? What do you mean meditate in the word? Right? I mean, you're almost considered a freak if you read your Bible every day. You read your Bible every day? Seriously? Right? But guys, I'd love to tell you it works a different way, but it doesn't. The fear of the Lord. Let's go to Isaiah 11. I want you to see this real quick. Isaiah 11, verse 1 through verse 3. I want to give you a couple scriptures here. I hope this is helping you a little bit tonight. This is so important. Isaiah 11, 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. This is talking about Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is explaining when Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down and rested upon him. It says, look what came down and rested upon him. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit, see, remember, Jesus had the Spirit without measure. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding shall rest upon him. The Spirit of counsel and might shall rest upon him. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord shall rest upon him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Because, I mean, that's why, listen, Jesus, he laid down all of his godly attributes when he, and he took upon himself flesh and lived on, on this earth as a man anointed by God. If he lived on this earth with all of his godly power, he would no, have no need to be anointed. But he was anointed with the spirit of knowledge and look at this, and of the fear of the Lord and shall make him of quick understanding. See, what does the spirit of the fear of the Lord do? The spirit of knowledge do. It makes him of quick understanding of the fear of the Lord. Do you realize when Jesus said, my will, my food, my strength is to do the will of him who sent me. I only say what my father says. I only do what my father does. He was literally empowered by the Holy Spirit to want to reverence, honor, and respect 
his father above everything else in his life. Do you realize that we have access to that? We have a bunch of Christians that are running around trying to go, okay, man, I sat in this sermon. I just need to, I need to reverence, honor, and respect God above everything else in life. And they're like, okay, so tomorrow I'm going to do better. Right? I'm just going to do better. And then about 9.30 in the morning, you've done a few things wrong. Satan's sitting on your shoulder talking to you about how bad you are. And we're like, oh, well. Instead of going, let's let the Holy Spirit help me. Empower me to live my life. And this is what happens. When you start, when you, when you make a decision, I have no idea how to do this, but I'm making a decision to do this. He'll start helping you. You'll start talking bad about somebody at work, and, and you'll go, oof. He'll be like, no, don't. Right? Just get away from that water cooler. Get away from that break rooms, man. Be careful. Right? I mean, be careful around who you're around. And, and then when you come to church, you know, the, the Holy Spirit will start helping you. He, sometimes we think that as Christians, we should just know how to worship. It's, there's nothing natural about coming and going, oh, you know. But yet, it becomes so natural when you understand. There, you know, he'll help you in everything. When you come to the word of God, all of a sudden, you'll see your Bible and you'll, you'll start tearing up. And you'll open the pages and you realize, wow, this was all breathed by God. It never will pass away. It literally forever stands in heaven. The God of the universe who's holding everything in place watches over his word to perform it. Surely he will do everything that he says in this book, right? This is so important. So now let's go to another one. Jeremiah 32, verse 38. Jeremiah 32, 38. So we see from Isaiah 11, right? We see that the fear of the Lord is literally one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So step number one, again, it's step number one in every sermon we preach around here. Give yourself a break. Stop trying to do this in your own strength. Learn how to catch the wave. Stop trying to learn how to build the wave. Well, I just need to be better. Because God has not called you to just live a nice little natural life. He'll call you to do things according to his ability, not yours. You were created. You were created in his image. You're made to do everything with him and in him. It's amazing. You can't figure that out in your own strength. Jeremiah 32, look at verse 38 through verse 40. Look at this. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way. Why? that they may fear me forever, that they may reverence. He's going to give them one heart and one way so that they can reverence, honor, and respect. In other words, God's giving them what they need 
to reverence, honor, and respect him above everything else in life forever. Wow, that's pretty good. For the good of them and of their children after them. God's going to empower you, mom and dad, right, to literally reverence him, and that is going to travel down to your children. Listen, Satan in 2023 is coming after your children, and he's playing for keeps, and you have to know this because he can't have our kids. And if they got to go to a public school that's teaching nonsense, God will protect them. Right? Or what, but, what, but it's very important that you learn the fear of the Lord so that they, if you don't know how to reverence, honor, and respect God, that's not going to be able to be passed down to them. So that's why you need to walk in this. You need to realize God has done this for me. Look at this, verse 40, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Boy, that's starting to transition into New Testament talk, right? That I will not turn away from them to do them good. You know what that means? God is saying he will never stop doing good for you. Forever. Wow. But I will put my fear in their hearts that they may not depart, that they shall not depart from me. See, God keeps you. God keeps me. God energizes me to walk this out. God does it. So I simply work out what he's working in. And I'm not given, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to the enemy at all. Because this is truth. Everything he says is a lie. Right? The Holy Spirit, in other words, deposits the fear of the Lord in our hearts so that we will not depart from him. To see a greater move of the Spirit, a greater manifestation of the presence of God, we must, we must, we must learn to reverence, honor, and respect above everything else in our life, the Lord. Right? I mean, I see it. I see it. And our helps ministry, I mean, if you, like, just try to find some dust in this church. Right? But, but this is not just let's clean the church to Phineas who oversees that whole ministry. This is ministry. Amen. Watching babies is, is very important. Toddlers, when they're freaking out, that's okay. They're, they're, you're ministering. Everything that you do for God has eternal ramifications. Everything. Amen. The degree of honor, respect, and faith that you have for the things of God, that's what's going to determine the measure of life, the measure of blessing, and the measure of revelation knowledge of who he is that you're going to walk in. It will be directly proportionate. Do you realize you could get to the point where you reverence, honor, and respect him so much 
that the minute you open the Bible, it's just revelation. And then when you shut it because you got to go do some work and you're walking around, he's just talking to you all day. Revelation, revelation. When you're out in your life and you're reverencing and honoring and respect him, you are positioned for him to get over to you everything that you need. Guys, what am I saying? We're stopping the blessing because of lack of reverence, honor, and respect. And why is that? Because we're just busy. And when you get busy, you kind of get in your flesh. And the, middle, the minute you get in your flesh, then now you're going the wrong direction. You're going to try to please yourself instead of letting God orchestrate your pleasure. Right? The degree of honor, respect, and faith that you have for the things of God is the determining factor of the life, the blessing, and the revelation that you walk in. I'd love to tell you different, but it's all over the book. Psalm 112, I think I'll close with this. Psalm 112, boy, we didn't even get to talk about humility. That's okay, we'll do that another time. You guys will come back. Psalm 112, look at verse 1, and then we're going to jump to verse 7 and 8. It says, pray, and I would encourage you, this whole chapter 12 is phenomenal. But we're just going to showcase a couple verses. Verse 1, praise ye the Lord, blessed. That word blessed means empowered to prosper. Is the man that fears the Lord. Now when you see fear, it's not, oh, I'm afraid of God. No, it's a reverence, honor, and respect for God above everything else in my life. Blessed. In other words, when you walk in this reverence, honor, and respect, you are in a position where now you are being empowered to prosper. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. How are you going to know if you're living a life of reverence, honor, and respect for God? You are going to delight greatly in his commandments. This word delight literally means that you literally have made God the source of your joy, pleasure, and satisfaction. This word also means you become very pliable. So in other words, it's like you're on the potter's wheel and he's the potter and you're the clay and he's able to just mold you into the powerful man and woman of God. You don't, you're not hard, you're soft. You're pliable. If God said it, I believe it. Yeah, but there's no way. I don't care. There might be no way here on the earth, but he'll make a way where there's no way. I'm not worried about that at all, right? Look at this. He shall not, verse 7, this man shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Why? Because his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. That means I'm, I never am moved by trusting in God. Think about what your life would look like if you never moved from trusting in God. Boy, would you walk around with a smile on your face? You'd probably have fits of joy, just break out. Right? Because you're, you're never in fear. You know faith works by love, right? He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. 
he shall not be afraid. That means you get diagnosed with stage four cancer and you are never afraid of it until you see your desire to be healed of cancer in your body. You won't, you won't, you're believing God, you won't get into fear. People will look at you and go, what, you're not worried about this? Nope. Why? Because my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. Why is my heart fixed? Because I have made a decision to yield to the mighty Holy Spirit inside of me to empower me to reverence and honor and respect God above all else. And this, my friend, is the heart of, of a man or woman of faith. Great faith. That's the heartbeat of it. Amen?